Today's episode of Fantasy Baseball in 15 is presented by the Salvation Army. Your donations can help those affected by COVID-19 find help and hope. To give, ask your smart speaker to make a donation to the Salvation Army or make your gift at SalvationArmyUSA.org. Is Trevor Bauer due for a bounce-back season? Did Mitch Keller get a raw deal in his debut campaign? We'll dig deep on both of these hurlers. Like death and taxes, Dodgers get a Dodger. I have not had uh, three cold brews yet. Got ahead of me on uh, my my caffeine question, so glad glad to know that there's been uh, some caffeination in your life. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy in 15 on the Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15 for Thursday, April 23rd. I'm Al Melkier, and I am here with Michael Beller. And Michael and I are going to get into today's player profiles uh, as soon as we can. They're really good and meaty ones. We're both looking forward to it. But I absolutely would be remiss if I didn't uh, mention, as uh, many of you uh, probably already know, that Rob Manfred has uh, made a, uh, a statement on the findings of the investigation of the Boston Red Sox illegal sign stealing in 2018, and uh, the uh, sanctions have also been announced um, Major League Baseball suspended the replay system operator, J.T. Watkins, uh, and also uh, Alex Cora has been suspended through the conclusion of the 2020 postseason. But that's for his involvement in the Astro scandal, not the Red Sox. And the Red Sox have also lost their second round pick in the 2020 draft. Yeah, a little surprised that uh, there was not more comment on Alex Cora as it related to uh, the Red Sox directly. Uh, but based off of what the, the league had handed down to Houston, I think this is pretty much in line with that. You can say it wasn't as strong as it should have been, sure. But I think all parties included are going to be happy to just move on from this. Uh, well, I'm sure they are. <laughs> um, and, you know, certainly there's going to be a lot of discussion. There already has been. Uh, about this and also just another uh, thing that is related to this and, and not surprising at all that the Red Sox have lifted the interim tag from Ron Renneke as uh, manager so he is now the manager they are uh, free to rehire Alex Cora for 2021 uh, but for now Ron Renneke is the manager and not the interim manager of the Red Sox so uh, let us move on to our player profiles today looking at a couple of pitchers uh, who both had disappointing 2019 seasons. Uh, one is Mitch Keller, and that was his rookie season, but uh, certainly the expectations were higher than what he delivered. This could be a lot of interesting things to delve into there. But, Michael, let's talk about Trevor Bauer first, because I think he's one of the most interesting pitchers to analyze going into 2020. He was a top 10 starter in 2018, uh, a much, much worse 2019, more fly balls, more home runs, uh, probably suffered disproportionately, even with the uh, the rabbit ball. So where do you fall on Trevor Bauer uh, for 2020? And again, you know, with all the usual caveats about whether there's a season, how long of a season, um, do you lean more towards the breakout of 2018? Or do you think that uh, there is some wisdom in the larger uh, sample of his other seasons? 2018 certainly stands out as an anomalous season thus far for Trevor Bauer, and I think uh, if we look back at his career another seven or eight years from now, it might still look like that. 
but I am certainly willing to bet on him at his draft day price that he at least approaches 2018 rather than being stuck in what he was before that and what he was last year. There's one really interesting data point in his pitch usage from 2018 and 2019, and it's that uh, the the curveball usage went way down last year compared with where it was in 2018, and the cutter usage went way up. It was basically an even trade. Every other pitch in his arsenal was you know, statistically insignificant uh, difference from 2018 to 2019 in terms of usage, but he lost about six percentage points from the curveball usage and gained about six percentage points on the cutter usage and you know it's hard to figure out why I mean the 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 whiff rate on the curveball did go down a little bit in 2019 but not to a significant degree and this was a pitch that was a really strong offering for him in the 2018 season in his breakout campaign uh, he he got a ton of ground balls on it more than a 60 percent rate as a share of balls that were put in play he was able to to limit hitters, uh, at least limit the damage that they did uh, with uh, against the pitch. Uh, they did have a 310 slugging percentage, which doesn't sound high, but when a, when a pitcher has a really good year, that's going to be toward the higher end. But just an 078 isolated slugging. So he really kept that damage low. Basically, if hitters put the ball in play, put the curveball in play, they put it on play on the ground, and it went for a single. Didn't really cost him too much, and he was able to get a lot of whiffs with it. I wonder if it was just a case of him you know, losing the feel of it, not being confident in the pitch, because it really doesn't seem like it was that different of an offering in 2019 than it was in 2018. We know that this guy is probably the biggest tinkerer uh, among pitchers. He is someone who is not afraid to evaluate himself and evaluate his arsenal on a start-by-start basis. Maybe that hurt him a little bit last year, and I definitely think it could play to his advantage this year if he gets back to throwing that curveball at the rate that he did in 2018. Yeah, well, and I wondered that, too, in terms of whether he lost the feel or, or what was going on. And as you alluded to, the curveball was a really key part of the breakout season. So it seemed odd that he threw it less. I think I might have found a key uh, to that riddle, though, because um, I went to Brooks Baseball and looked at his usage pattern. There's a great table that they have there for uh, for all pitchers in terms of. Uh, when they throw each pitch in their arsenal, do they throw it when they're ahead, behind in the count, first pitch, etc.? And overwhelmingly, Trevor Bauer would throw that curveball when he was ahead in the count. And last season, one of the areas, uh, probably in addition to the increase in home runs, one of the areas where he really uh, was much worse was in first pitch strikes. So he was behind hitters a lot more than he had been in 2018. Maybe he just had less opportunities to throw the curveball uh you know that it's it's a puzzle but that explanation makes really as much sense to me as anything and that could be something that is a, a very easy fix for him this year just getting back ahead of hitters working ahead more in the count what surprised me a little bit was that he didn't get uh the bump that we you that we typically see uh when he uh got traded from Cleveland to Cincinnati I mean you can go back years and years and years and find plenty of pitchers who get traded from the AL to the NL and get that automatic bump just from you know facing a lineup without a DH and and Bauer didn't really experience that during his half season or so with the Reds Uh, but again you put it all together and you look at what we've talked about here of a first strike rate which I think he can get back uh get back on his 2018 track with a curveball that 
wasn't used as much, maybe wasn't able to be used as much in 2019 because of that first strike rate that was still in shape and form, basically the same pitch that it was in 2018. And if he can get back those two things in 2020, he could go back to being maybe not quite 2018 Trevor Bauer, but something approximating 2018 Trevor Bauer. And that is a guy who I am willing to bet on Given the draft day price, he's got an ADP in the low 20s among starting pitchers. He's inside a group of pitchers that you and I have talked about quite a bit and guys that I like a lot. And Bauer is in that group. If I can come out of a draft or an auction with like three of those seven or eight guys who have an ADP between you know uh, you know SP18 and SP24, then I'm feeling pretty good about what my starting pitching looks like. And Bauer can be a key to making that happen. Yeah, and uh, you know it's an interesting thing too to look at the splits between uh, the Indians and, and the Reds, and there's a really easy narrative to go with, which is that he uh, gave up the bulk of those home runs with the Reds, and of course pitching one of the worst parks for pitchers in terms mm-hmm, of keeping mm-hmm. the ball in the park. But his road splits weren't very good either, so uh, threw it out of the park himself that one time too. That's right. <laughs> I forgot about that. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I think it just was yeah a, a season that uh, went wrong for for a whole bunch of reasons, and certainly you know making a few starts at Great American Ballpark didn't help him. But I think that was in some ways the the least of the problems there. And you know I think you know we're we're on to something in terms of the curveball. But as you mentioned, it almost makes me nervous, Michael, to to talk about this with Trevor Bauer because like you said, he's somebody who's so into the uh, the analytics and stats, and uh, you know, uh, I, I'm sure he uh, is well not only well aware of these trends, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. but probably you know many miles uh, uh, ahead of. Everybody I, I else. like that. I like that in a pitcher. I want I want my pitchers to be the smartest guys on my team. Fantasy, real life, whatever. I want my pitchers to be smart, to be engaged, to be interested, to always be you know playing at the edges of your mind. And I really think uh, that Bauer is a guy who can get back to what he was in 2018 because of how willing he is to uh, engage in that. And it sounds like sounds like you might be a buy on him as well. Uh, yeah, well, actually, let's, let's talk about that a little bit because um, the steamer projections – actually, I'm sorry, not steamer, all the projections. If you go to Fangraphs and they've got uh, several different uh, projections for every player there, steamer, uh, ATC, zips uh, – I know I'm leaving. Oh, the bat, uh, Derek Cardi's projections. They're all there. And I mean, typically there's a, a consensus around pretty much every player. And the same thing is true with Bauer. And that consensus really leans towards the career stats and not the 2018 stats. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. Uh, yeah, it does. And so I, I start off with Steamer because I had it uh, in my brain that Steamer actually had the most optimistic projections for Bauer. And again, it wasn't a huge departure from from the the rest of the group but uh when you translate those projections into five by five value bauer would would be the 20th most valuable starting pitcher in five by five roto value uh again using those most optimistic projections the other ones put him back you know four or five spots so basically the consensus has bauer somewhere in like the 20 to 25 range among starting pitchers which on the one hand given the season he had in 2019 sounds pretty generous Mm -hmm. and on the other hand when you realize that those are based to be largely in line with career numbers, it does seem like that there could be some value in Trevor Bauer. So yeah. uh, if you imagine yourself, you know, drafting uh, once baseball comes back, or at least we know baseball is coming back, could you see, uh, you know, pulling the trigger to get Bauer maybe going a little bit ahead and, you know, taking him a little bit inside that top 20 as uh, pitchers are coming off the board? 
Yeah, I could definitely see that. I mean, first of all, you talk about those projections and you're talking about even the ones that are the least optimistic on him still giving him, you know, if, if you take him as SP22 or whatever his exact ADP is and he ends up being SP25, you're not going to, you know, write an, an enraged email to him. Hopefully you wouldn't write an enraged email to him if he was SP75, but you're certainly not going to do it if he comes in at SP25. And then when you factor in what we know his ceiling has proven to be in his career, it feels like the sort of guy that you want to make a bet on if all these projection systems are coming in and saying that he's basically going to give you draft day value or what you the the a fair uh price from what you paid for him on draft day then you got to feel pretty good about that so looking at just i'm looking at his um his consensus rankings on fantasy pros he is sp 22 just behind Jose Barrios and Tyler Glasnow, just ahead of Corey Kluber and uh, his teammate Sonny Gray, other guys who are generally in that range, you Darvish, Zach Greinke on the high end, uh, Brandon Woodruff, Zach Wheeler on the low end. A, I think that's a very fair spot for Bauer. I think of the ones who I mentioned who are ahead of him, Greinke, Darvish, Glasnow, Barrios. The only one who I would take him ahead of is Barrios. Um, but still, SP21, we know what the ceiling can be. Seems like a pretty safe floor. Uh, Trevor Bauer checks every single box for me at what his ADP is. I am very happy to have him on my teams this year. All right. Well, let's uh, move on to Mitch Keller, who is certainly going much later in drafts, but still getting drafted in a lot of 12-team leagues, which is something that might not really sync up with uh, someone who had a 7.13 ERA in his first season in the majors, uh, you know, albeit uh, you know, very limited exposure. Uh, all the ERA predictors don't buy that performance. In fact, it's really dramatic. They're all under four. Uh, FIP has them at 319. XFIP 347. Sierra, which is the one I actually trust the most out of the three, 378. But I, I actually think they might all be a little bit optimistic. I, I certainly don't think that Keller deserved to be a 7-plus ERA pitcher, maybe not even a 5-plus ERA pitcher. But there are, are two things from Stellar's, uh, or Stellar's uh, Keller's not-so-stellar <laughs> uh, stat line that, that concerned me a little bit. And one is that even though he had a 29% strikeout rate, his swinging strike rate was just under 12%, which is, is not bad at all. But in this age of uh, a lot of swings and misses, it also doesn't stand out as, as outstanding. Uh, typically, a pitcher who's at 29, 30% for strikeout rate has a, a whiff rate that's more in line with like 13% or maybe even 14%. And it's not as if Keller got very many called strikes either. So that's one. Th well, let, let's, let's zero in on that. I have another concern as well. But uh, do you think that he can approach that strikeout rate in 2020? I think it's going to be hard for him to approach that strikeout rate just because of the fact that he's going to be um, getting you know a, a really long extended run as a starter for the first time. It's going to be a weird offseason uh, for every major leaguer, and you know I trust uh, the veterans to be able to weather this uh, this strange offseason without any real um, you know they had a spring training uh, but it got cut short, and then they're going to come back and have some sort of abbreviated spring training. They haven't had any instruction, any real way to keep the arms um, fresh. I mean, of course, these guys all have, you know, pretty good setups and they can they can throw and they can do what they need to do, but it's way different doing this on your own than being in the uh, team environment day after day after day after day, which we know is so important uh, to Major League Baseball. It leads me to be someone who is going to fade a lot of young rookie pitchers this year, young and or 
rookie pitchers this season. I just think it's going to be a really tough uphill climb for them. Uh, deck, the deck is stacked against them, certainly, with how this 2020 season is ending up unfolding before us here. I do like him for the future, and if I was looking ahead to 2021 and beyond and, and getting back into what is a, a normal rhythm of a baseball season, then I could totally be into Mitch Keller. I just think uh, circumstances that are beyond his control are going to conspire against him reaching uh, what he could have had this been a normal season. Uh, well, yeah, excellent points as well. And the other concern that I have, too, is just uh, the outrageous 475 BABIP rate that he allowed. Uh, I mean, just by definition, it's, it's going to be uh, due for regression. But, uh, you know, how much do you cut off of that? Uh, you know, you could cut off a lot and, and still be very terrible at preventing hits on balls in play. <laughs> Gave up a lot of line drives, both in AAA and the major leagues last mm-hmm. season. Still, it's a very variable stat line drive rate. But what concerns me more is that the Pirates, in terms of defensive runs above average, they were by far the worst team in the major leagues last year defensively, uh, other than in center field, where I think they have upgraded somewhat from uh, Starling Marte to Gerard Dyson. Uh, It's pretty much the same defense. So uh, is that something maybe that uh, could limit Keller's value? Absolutely. I think that's something that you have to be concerned about with every single Pirates pitcher. I mean, so much of what a pitcher is able to do is going to be dependent on his defense. And, you know, they control strikeouts, they control walks, they control homers, and, you know, they control hard contact. And that's about it. And you really need your defense to be able to turn balls in play into outs. And I don't see why with the largely the same personnel the Pirates had last year, uh, coming into this season, why we should expect them to be anything other than, you know, if not the worst, one of the worst defenses in Major League Baseball. That's going to have an effect on every single pitcher on this team. So, yes, it does give me a little bit of pause with Keller. The nice thing with him, as you mentioned uh, off the top, we were transitioning from Bauer to Keller, is that no one's really forcing you to pay a premium for him, even though he does have that prospect profile. All right. So, uh, real quickly then, and on that note, um, would you go for him as a late-round flyer in a 12-teamer? Ten times out of ten, I haven't. I don't think I've said one good thing about his outlook. But we know what the stuff is. We know what the potential is down the line. And with what you don't have to pay for him in terms of a premium draft pick, why the hell not take a shot on Mitch Keller? You're really not giving up anything on draft day. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. If it does work out, you've maybe got yourself a top forty starter at a very cheap price. All right. Well, uh, you heard it here from Michael Beller and also from Michael Beller. We talked about this on Tuesday's show, but uh, if you want to get more in depth, then you should want to get more in depth with <laughs> Michael Beller's Cubs team and our uh, out of the park alternate universe at The Athletic. Uh, check out uh, Michael's write up. Anthony Rizzo is leading the Cubs charge in our OOTP simulation season. Uh, so Michael did a, a great job, really takes you inside his uh, running of the uh the the fake cubs uh in that piece so uh do check that out and that's going to wrap things up for this episode of fantasy baseball in 15 if you're not already a subscriber to the athletic well you can get 40 percent off a subscription just go to theathletic.com slash baseball in 15 or give the athletic a try for 90 days free trial for 90 days Uh, check that out perhaps Uh, everything that we do is a part of the subscription and if you're enjoying this podcast on a platform that lets you leave a rating and a review we would certainly be very appreciative if you took the time to do that for michael beller i'm al melchior we'll be right back here on friday 